Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, please. Philippians chapter 4, let's read verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this chapter, it's very important when it comes to victorious Christian living. Just imagine if we would all live out these verses, just these that I've read, not to mention what is before and what comes after these verses. If we would live these verses out, I believe we just might see revival. Over the last two weeks, we've considered verses 4 and 5. In verse 4, we saw that our rejoicing is to be in the Lord, not in our outward circumstances. Never let your joy be the victim of your emotions. If your joy is driven by emotion, you may never find joy. Then in verse 5, we saw how when we let our moderation be known to all, that we are showing them God. We are showing them the Lord Jesus Christ because we are living above the world's standard of morality. We are showing that we have been changed, that we are different in the Lord, that we have a relationship with God. We show love, mercy, grace, forbearance, meekness, and gentleness to others because that's how God deals with us. Aren't you glad? As much as lieth within us, we are to live peaceably with all men. And if we suffer or are defrauded along the way, we trust that the Lord is going to take care of our enemies because the end of verse 5 tells us the Lord is at hand. He's going to deal with our enemies. We need to let Him fight on our behalf and let Him deal with others. All right, for tonight, we find another great blessing of us being in Christ if we choose to take advantage of it. And that is stress-free living. Stress-free living. Don't worry. Don't be distressed. Don't be troubled in this life. What being careful for nothing literally means is don't have anxiety. My dad used to call the 11th commandment, thou shalt not worry. Anxiety is worrying about something with an uncertain outcome. It disturbs the mind and it keeps the mind in a state of agonizing uneasiness, disturbance, and trouble. In Webster's 1828 dictionary, towards the end of his definition for anxiety, he states, quote, that it involves a suspense respecting an event and often a perplexity of mind to know how to shape our conduct, end quote. In other words, anxiety will affect our behavior in a negative way. It will cause us not to react as we should. We currently live in a day filled with anxiety, especially surrounding COVID-19. Thankfully, things are beginning to slowly head in the right direction in that area, as far as the mandates go anyway. But there's still plenty of anxiety out there. 
And that anxiety is affecting behavior. There has been more trust shown in an unproven vaccine than in God's ability to watch over His children. And it's causing anxiety. There has been more faith placed in a doctor's recommendation than God's commandments. And there's anxiety. People are getting into fights over not wearing or wearing a face mask. People are being labeled a threat to society based upon their vaccination status. That's a fact. It's full-on anxiety in some parts of our country. Never been more happy to live in South Dakota than I did in March of 2020. Whoop. Now, I want to be clear. I don't care if you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. I don't care if you get the vaccine or don't get the vaccine. I don't think you're any more or less spiritual if you do one or the other. Am I being as political as I can? (laughs) Let every man be persuaded in his own mind and in his own walk with God. Romans 14, 12, and 13, So then every one of us shall give give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And then Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify one another. I'm not going to judge you. Uh, Wear a mask if you want. I don't care. Don't wear a mask. Get the vaccine. Don't get the vaccine. Live your life in isolation. Don't live your life in isolation. Whatever. Um, Listen, don't put your confidence and trust in those things. Um, but but that's, that's what's happening. Some have. They have refused to do anything or go anywhere because they might get sick. I've said since March 2020, you can live in isolation. If God wants you to be sick, you're going to be sick. Amen. That is anxiety. That is worrying. When we shut ourselves off from society because we're fearful. It's an uncertain outcome and it disturbs the mind. Some who have done this will say, well, I haven't had any anxiety. Well, if it's affected your behavior, you have. Well, I could preach up a storm there, but it would be a soapbox. COVID-19 aside, there are many things which can cause anxiety in a person's life. Some are far more serious than others. All kind of factors can cause anxiety. And, And I'm not here to give you a medical dissertation on anxiety. So when I do those things, I inevitably get an earful from somebody who has a reason why they're justified, and I just have learned to just shut up. So I think the best way to approach this is to say, I believe the intent of this verse is simply, don't worry about things outside of your control. Let me read you a passage here that Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now, every time you hear me read thought, it's the same Greek word for careful. Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more better than they? 
Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Amen. So Jesus, he says, take no thought for your life. Don't be anxious in this life. Don't worry. Don't be in distress. You can't worry yourself taller. That's what he said. (laughs) You can't worry yourself clothes. Food. Drink. Don't worry about the things of tomorrow. There's enough to deal with today. So don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is out of your control. Now, when we come to passages like these, we we must be prudent. We must use the common sense that the good Lord gave us. (laughs) Most of us. Because there are some things within your control. And if we're not mindful to take the whole counsel of God, then some may be tempted to look for a contradiction here in this command. For example, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 23, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. We still need to plan for the future. That's a wise thing to do. Being careful for nothing and taking no thought does not mean being careless. For example, you can't waste all of your money and then when the rent comes due, say, well, Paul said, be careful for nothing, the Lord's going to take care of it. I wish that were a joke. No, that is something still within your control. And you should have looked well into the state of thy flocks. You saw the need, you knew the bill was coming due, and you should have prepared for it. So you still need to work because the Bible says so. You still need to provide for your own because the Bible says so. You still need to be responsible in this life. In fact, let me read you Proverbs 27 again, but read you what follows after looking well into the state of thy flocks. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and to look well to thy herds. For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation. The hay appeareth and the tender grass showeth itself, and herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance for thy maidens. So what that's telling us, listen, we still are supposed to do what we're supposed to be doing. We still work, we still labor, we still provide, we look at what's coming down the road, we gather in at harvest time, we we do all those things so that we'll have enough. In short, I would just tell you this, we do our part and God will always do His. We seek first the kingdom of God throughout our life, and when we put God first, He will take care of our tomorrow. 
It may not look like how we wanted it to. It may not be how we planned it to be. But He will take care of us. Things happen unexpectedly. But our needs are going to be met. So we don't have to be anxious for the things that are out of our control. Remember the time when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they put God first by not bowing before the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up? It says in Daniel 3, 14 through 18, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace." And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They weren't worried about the outcome. The outcome was not in their control. The only way it could have been in their control is if they were to bow down to the false gods. But then they would have been in violation of God's word. And they would no longer be in fellowship with Him, and that's something they weren't going to allow to happen. So, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. We trust in our God more than we do in you. We trust in our God more than we trust in the medical community. How about what Jesus said to His disciples? Matthew 10, 16 through 20. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in the synagogues, in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. The disciples couldn't control their outcome. And they were going to be in bad situations. But they could trust in their God. And that's the emphasis about being careful for nothing. Who are you trusting? Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be anxious over what you can't control. Now, sometimes it is possible for us to have anxiety over things that we can control. We just have misplaced priorities sometimes. Take the example of Mary and Martha. In Luke chapter 10, verses 40 and, uh, through 42, Jesus, or it says, But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful, same word, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You see, Martha, she could have chosen the needful thing. It was within her control. She could have chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus as well and to learn something from Him, but she had prioritized her serving above listening to Jesus. As she's cumbered about, Jesus says, you're careful, you're anxious 
about many things, you're worried. And sometimes we just need to learn to prioritize correctly. Amen. We think all these other things are important. They're not. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And because we get things out of whack, we, sometimes we can have anxiety in our life. And we can become guilty of allowing what is less important to take precedent over what is most important. When I went to officer training school, they told us on day one, we're going to give you 26 hours of work for a 24-hour day. And they did. And for at least two to three weeks, you had to prioritize what was important. That was the whole point. Will you prioritize what is important over what is not as important? And that's sometimes how life is. Amen. You got too much to do. And so my dad, he, he told me about this guy he used to work with, a lieutenant colonel, I think, in the United States Air Force. And he said, uh, he said Mike, when you got too much to do, just do less. It's like magic. <laughs> That's always stuck with me. If you got too much to do, do less. There's a lot of truth there. I heard Pastor Jason Gaddis once, I think it was when I was down there for some kind of you know, this is how you should be a pastor kind of conference. <laughs> Pray for me. I need a lot of work. Amen. I heard Jason Gaddis say once to a group of preachers, and he said, um, you need to learn by the acrostic win. W-I-N. If you want to win, you got to do what's important now. W-I-N. If you're too busy to do what's important now and learn to get to the rest later, you're too busy. You're too busy. If you can't seek first the kingdom of God, you're too busy. You need to do less. Matthew 13, 22, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Now, this is a very serious matter tonight because it affects your fruitfulness as a Christian. It affects your fruit of the Spirit. Don't allow the cares of this world and misplaced priorities to choke you out. Yet many have become unfit for service because they're careful for everything. As if they're in control. Now, what are we to do to prevent anxiety in our lives to begin with? Some of you good, independent, fundamental Baptists may remember the 1988 song by Bobby McFerrin entitled, Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> it was a catchy little ditty. But he had this laissez-faire approach to life. It was very much this attitude of just sit back and whatever happens in life happens. There was no substance to it. If, if you found yourself out on a limb in life and all you knew was to sing, don't worry, be happy, your situation would never improve. The problem you're in would never change. <laughs> Am I making sense? Are y'all hearing the guy sing it or something? I don't know what's going on. But I know I already messed up Sunday morning when I finished the sermon by saying, stand by your man, and about three-fourths of you had a Tammy Wynette fit. Amen. <laughs> stand by your man. We don't listen to worldly music. Yeah, okay. Um, we'll preach that later when we get to verse 8 probably. I don't know. <laughs> um, 
Paul, he goes on to give us the remedy, right? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. This is where we find the substance. This is how you overcome anxiety and worry and distress in your life. You pray to God. I think we all understand prayer, and you supplicate. That means you take uh, that prayer request and you keep pressing it before God's throne. And we do so with a thankful heart, it says, towards God. I want you to understand tonight, the, the problem with worrying is you are saying that God can't. You're saying that God is not able. You're saying that God is too big to deal with your little problem or, or God doesn't care about you, or, or whatever the case, you're, you're living a life that shows your heart that you don't believe God can. God is concerned about everything. Because we're told to pray about everything. And it really comes down to quietly, calmly submitting to His will. We are to be confident that God does better taking care of us than we can. We have confidence that God knows our needs and that He will meet those needs. John Wesley wrote, Carefulness and prayer cannot stand together. What a great thought. If you've prayed to God about your need, but you still have anxiety and worry about everything, then are you really trusting in God? No, because once we go to God in prayer, we are to know that He hears us, that He will take care of us and do what is best for us and for His glory. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly, confidently unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Charles A. Tinley wrote the hymn we sang before preaching, Leave It There, in 1916. And the chorus reads, Leave it there, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Amen. Psalm 55, 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Another great hymn we could have sang tonight on this thought is All Your Anxiety, written by Edward H. Joy in 1920. The chorus reads, All your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat, leave it there. Never a burden He cannot bear, never a friend like Jesus. Let your request be made known unto God, 
and cast all your anxiety, all your worry, all your care upon the Lord, believing that He's going to sustain you, that He cares for you. You don't have to rise up early. You don't have to stay up late, wringing your hands, eating the bread of sorrows, acting a mess, acting like God didn't hear you, like He doesn't know how to take care of you, like He can't answer prayer, like the world's going to fall under. Listen, we have a God who hears our prayer. Act like it. I just don't know, preacher. I mean, if I go out, you know, it might happen. Yeah, it might. I'm not saying to be an idiot. I wear a seatbelt. I'm not saying that's what my trust is in. I still pray for safety. Stop wringing your hands in life. And be thankful when you come before God in prayer. You say, you don't know what I'm going through. I just can't be thankful. Then are you His child? Because every child of God should have something to be thankful for. You know, you can be thankful for who God is. You can be thankful that God delights to hear from His children. For a God who hears prayer and for a God who has saved us, that's enough to keep you thankful till eternity. And then through eternity. <laughs> First Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, um, verse 7 is always what will follow verse 6. When we learn to be careful for nothing, by calling out to God in prayer and being thankful in everything, then we will have peace with God. Look at what it says. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you have peace tonight? This is a peace that the world can never give you. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It's a peace which passes all understanding because it's a peace that only can come from God. Psalm 29, 11, the Lord will give strength unto His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Isaiah 26, 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Colossians 3, 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. Now there's too many verses to cite. But you can have peace in this life. Even when things don't go the way you want them to go. Or the way you expected them to go. We can have peace. And it is this peace from God that keeps our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So if your mind's a mess, where's your mind focused? You see, this is what keeps us from failing. These two verses. The attacks are going to come in your life. The uncomfortable circumstances are going to come in your life. Life is going to turn out in ways you didn't expect it to. You're going to go through the fire. But you can have peace that passes all understanding. And it puzzles the world because they expect that you should be in a mess. How could those who were burned at the stake have peace and sing hymns to God as they're being burned alive? They had a peace which passed all understanding. We can have that same peace. 
We can trust God. We can have peace when a loved one dies. We can have peace when we get that diagnosis we didn't want to receive. We can have peace that God is in complete control. But we must pray with a spirit of thanksgiving, and we must leave all our anxiety at the altar. So as I close tonight, do you have anxiety in your life? Are you worried about things? Instead of being careful for nothing, are you careful for everything? Do you have a peace that passes all understanding? I just want to encourage you tonight, go to God in prayer. Cast your burden upon Him. He cares for you. Make your request known unto Him. Go to Him for peace. And if you do, and you leave it there, He will give you a peace that will pass on. He will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray.